I'm going to the man cave. Going to the man cave. Going to the man cave. I'm going to the man cave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going to the man cave. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Man cave, man cave, man cave, man cave, man cave. Kate Delaney with Invade the Man Cave. Here's where we start this time around. I had a few listeners ask about the difference between a man cave and a she cave. Really? Even a sort of famous athlete I know, we were debating this, and he said it was the, well, size and amount of the TVs. It's unscientific, but there may be something to it. You know, with the NFL and college football season just around the corner, I'm sure some of you, like me, buried in prep, right? For fantasy football teams, those drafts are just around the corner. This time around, Aaron Andrews from Fox and Dancing with the Stars, Kike Hernandez from the Dodgers, a combo with billionaire Steve Forbes before it was bumpered for air, and Chris Landry, a former NFL scout on the season. Welcome to the Man Cave. What a pleasure to welcome to the show Aaron Andrews, sportscaster, TV personality, dancing with the stars on ABC. You catch her there. Uh, sideline reporter, of course, for Fox. A lot happening in her life. And a newlywed as she just married Jarrett Stone. As hockey is so close to my heart, it was great to have her on. And Aaron, I got to ask you this. How's life as a newlywed? Um, it's kind of feels the same. I don't know if that's the answer I'm supposed to be giving. I mean, the good news is I feel like I can just be like, you know, not have this wedding over our head anymore. And I can really say how I feel and just be like, Hey babe, you're really annoying me, but I can see these things because I don't have to worry about being all cheery and excited for the wedding, but kind of business as usual in our house. Everything's kind of back to normal. I love that. Do you, I, I'm just curious, do you, you know, cause my, mm-hmm. my uncle was a goaltender for the Flyers when I was a kid. So I grew up oh, where I had fun. to be. Yeah, Who was Ber- that? Bernie Perrant. He, he, they won the Stanley oh my Cup. Gosh, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yep. I yep. was, I started my Tampa Bay Lightning career with Bobby the Chief Taylor. So I feel mm. like I learned so much about the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, how Clarky funny. Is, and all yeah. those guys. So awesome. Yeah, funny. So so I'm wondering, do you skate? Is he making you skate? Do you skate? No. I don't <laughs> even attempt to try to skate either. The problem is I can't stop. Right. So, um, no, I just, we've gone a couple of times out in Montana. We tried when we were in New York for a hot second with the Rangers. But, no, he doesn't make me do that at all. It's kind of cool we're talking because we just got a, a golden retriever and Jared's now going to be working with the developmental part of um, with the LA Kings. And we were talking about how he's got to work with some of the forwards on face-offs and he's going to be doing some conditioning stuff with them. And we were saying like, after he's done working with the forwards, we're going to have our dog out there and go out there and like chase pucks around. Like I think the Washington Capitals put video of a golden retriever out on their ice and he was running around after pucks. So we want to put how, how our dog out there, like to kind of mess around on the ice. He'd be hilarious. Oh, I love that. You mentioned this. Uh, we have the NFL season that's that's happening. And for you, how do you get ready for the upcoming season? What do you do to prep? Well, we have a week three of preseason. We have a game in Washington. And then we know our first five weeks of games. But really, since the last three days, I've had the NFL Network on. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I've been watching, you know, these live training camps. You just, you kind of start to watch and you kind of start to listen on the radio. It's 
during NFL season, it's I, my attention really isn't anywhere else. It's kind of all I watch. It's all I read about. Um, you start looking at every newspaper in the town that you're going to in the next couple of weeks. You try to start, you know, dialing in, focusing in on what the storylines are. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a very, very exciting time. You kind of forget some of the new storylines, too, that, you know, happened in January or February. And now you're, you know, refreshing yourself on all of it. So, yep, got a lot of NFL Network on and NFL Live on and just trying to watch everything. And it'll be a good time. It'll be fun to get back out there. Yeah, absolutely. What was the in your career? What you know, people always ask me this about being a female sports talk show host. What was the turning point? Was it? Did you have a lot of obstacles? When did you know? Wow. Okay, there people are paying attention. This feels right. When did you know that? Um, I don't know if I ever kind of was like, wow. I mean, this feels right. It's just something I've always wanted to do. So I've never, you know, I, I never thought about ever doing anything else. For me, you know, when I realized I had a lot of eyes on me, when I came around, um, when I was working for ESPN, it's kind of when these sports blogs started. So when it was, you know, Deadspin had pictures of me eating a sandwich on the sidelines or, you know, Sports Illustrated Extra Mustard had, um, you know, pictures of what I was doing on the road and things. And I was just, I, they never prepared you for those kind of things when you went to the University of Florida and you were in the the broadcasting curriculum and you were taking those classes. So that's when I kind of realized, all right, people are watching. Things are a little different right now. But um, yeah, for me, it was, it was just kind of a no brainer. This is what I always wanted to do. I, there are just some things, i.e. social media, camera phones that were never really talked about when you went to school for all this. Yeah. So you always had the belief. You just knew you wanted to do this and you just believed in yourself and knew, well, this will happen. Right. Yeah, this is kind of all I ever talked about doing. And um, yeah, I, I didn't even have a backup plan because it, it's it's what I wanted. It was my passion and I believed I was going to do it. Yeah. All right. That's So that's great advice for anybody that wants to go into this business, right? Yeah. I mean, I could give the advice that my dad gave me, which was don't do it. Get a job <laughs> that you can make a lot more money and you won't miss the holidays and your friends' weddings and, you know, be on the road so much and live out of a suitcase. But you know, my dad is is on television as well, still in Tampa for an NBC affiliate, and um, he, he loves our conversations that we have Fridays when I go into, you know, say Green Bay or Dallas or New York or Philly and meet with these players and these coaches, and I, you know, get to tell my dad the inside information that they're telling us on Fridays, and then on Sunday, I'll call him up in the morning before I head to the field and say, Dad, these are the storylines. How do you think I should start my opening hit? Or, you know, what do you think I should say here? Or my dad and I text each other back and forth during the games. Um, and he's always like, you know, slow down, take breath, take a deep breath. Um, you know, or I'll just be like, Dad, you know, what am I going to ask Mike McCarthy? They just got killed in Atlanta for the NFC Championship. What do I ask and what do I do? And it's really cool. So for, you know, a guy that told his kid, eh, try to get a job where you can have a bit of a life. He loves kind of living vicariously through me. So it's neat. I love that story. Do you, do you have a favorite moment? Cause you've been there for a lot of big moments. Is there a favorite moment, uh, Super Bowl, um, major league baseball, whatever. Is there a favorite moment of everything that you've covered so far? Um, you know, 
know, there's been certain ones here and there. Um, obviously, you know, my very first Super Bowl was so exciting for me, standing on the field in New York, New York, and or actually it was in New Jersey. It was the Broncos, Seahawks, and you know, I was just thinking of my entire career and how far I've come, and you know, listening to them sing the national anthem, and I started to cry, and I'm like, holy crap, <laughs> I have to get it together because I'm getting ready to do my first hit, or you know, when the Boston Red Sox um, won after the Boston bombing, and my dad was there, and and he was out on the field with me, and uh, actually I had to go back into the clubhouse, and right as I was walking in, big Poppy, who's one of my favorite players ever, came out and started spraying champagne on me and my dad. And my dad is a huge Red Sox fan because he grew up in Springfield, Mass. So that was a really special moment. You don't really get to have those with your dad and, and also being in this business. So that was really cool. And, you know, we went out on the, my dad went out on the pitcher's mound and then we walked out to the Green Monster after the coverage was over with Fox and took pictures by the Green Monster. So things like that are, are really cool. Just anything has to do with my family and, and, you know, how far I've come in this industry are, are definitely very special memories. Awesome. I love it. Hey, last one. I, I'd be remiss not to ask you this because you look like you're having so much fun, but dancing with the stars. What's that like? Oh, it's awesome. It's, you know, it's a little difficult during the NFL season because if you think about it, I'm on the road from Thursday till Saturday, um, sorry, Sunday, even Monday morning. And then I have to come back and I'm back in um, studio on Monday at about 10 o'clock in the morning. We have our script read and then we're in hair and makeup all day and then we're live. Um, you know, for the show. And it's a lot different from being out on a football field. I like to be in flats and, you know, kind of a jean and a top and something casual that I can run around the football field. In. And for dancing, it's heels and spanks and fake eyelashes and a ton of concealer and a ton of bobby pins. And I'm, I, you know, a lot of girls like to dress up for me. Yeah. It's fun for five seconds, but I want to rip, you know, that crap off me. I'm just not really good with all that makeup and, and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I'm a huge fan of the performing arts and our dancers are so special and they're so creative and seeing the transformation of the stars that come into our show and into our family is so special. So I kind of get the best of both worlds in 48 hours. I get the best NFL game of the week. And then I get a primetime (laughs) reality ballroom show with Tom Bergeron. who's one of the funniest guys ever. And yeah, it's two different worlds in 48 hours. And it's definitely a crazy time come Monday night when I, come back home and see my husband and my dog i'm ready to just put my comfies on and wash my face but it's pretty cool i love it aaron andrews will be looking for you thanks so much absolutely thank you so thrilled to welcome to forbes books at bedtime steve forbes does he need an introduction no are you kidding i i have to tell him this right at the start one of the first magazines steve that i got when i was a a kid, you talked about what your father did to teach you about business. Well, what my grandfather did was he handed me a Forbes magazine when I think I was about eight years old. So thrilled to have you uh, on with us. Well, good to be with you, and uh, glad you had such a wise grandfather. And obviously, reading Forbes, I, you look like a very bright person. <laughs> thank you, Sarah. She, I, I will vouch for her as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you very much. So I heard you speak today, and we were talking about what's on everybody's mind, of course, um, the tax bill. And you talked about how arduous it was, so many pages, et cetera, et cetera. But you also talked about that this is a good first step. And I'm kind of taking a shortcut here and paraphrasing what you said, but explain that to the listeners. Uh, well, it looked like uh, the proverbial making of the sausage, uh, not a very edifying sight. 
but the bill overall does more good than harm. Finally gets our tax rates on businesses uh, back to uh, where the rest of the world is, which will make us very competitive again, get more investment, which is how you get a higher standard of living. On the personal side, they uh, could have done it uh, better. I think they will in a couple of years. I see this as a down payment, not the be-all, end-all on uh, tax bills. So see it as a, the first step of many to come. And, and always you've been a big advocate for a flat tax. And I have to say I've read so much and listened to you speak about it, and you've certainly converted me. Do you think we will ever see a flat tax? I think in several years the answer is yes, as it becomes clear that this current tax code just gets more and more complex, more and more corrupt, more and more of a burden on people. And uh, people will see when you reduce the burden not only of the tax rates themselves, but also the compliance costs, they'll say, we should have done this a long time ago. Are there things we should be doing as citizens and as business owners beyond just calling our Congress people to help move it towards a flat tax? Do you think that there's actually uh, The we key thing is with your social networks is to get them to also get in contact with their representatives, ask questions, make it very clear this is an issue that is uh, bubbling among the people, and eventually our leaders, so-called, will get the message. <laughs> right now, what would you say, and you talked about this a little bit, weaved it in and out of, of what you spoke about at the uh, summit, but talking about the state of Republicans and, of course, coming up the midterms, etc., is it going to be abysmal for Republicans, or what do you think? Well, the economy will help in most of the country, I think uh, taking away state and local deductions the way they did it will hurt Republicans. There are some left in blue states like in New York, New Jersey, and California. So they did themselves unnecessary harm by the way they did this. But uh, the key thing, too, is that the people are so focused on Trump's style rather than the substance. And so they got to get back to the substance, and then I think they've got a good shot. Kate and I are here at the Authority Summit in Charleston, South Carolina. We're with Steve Forbes. This is Forbes Books at Bedtime. It's such a great thrill to have you with us, Mr. Forbes. I am wondering if you think we could have reached this point of tax reform sooner had there been a Republican in office uh, in the last four or the last eight years. Uh, the answer is yes, but uh, we can't ignore the fact that we've had Republican presidents who have not pushed major changes in the tax code. So uh, I blame Democrats, but also Republicans for being too timid. So we, there's no place for cowardly lions. We, we need roaring lions, and I think we're finally getting a bit of that back. I'd be remiss not to ask you this because, Steve, I get asked this all the time. What do I think of um, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies? What do you think of cryptocurrencies? Uh, the way cryptocurrencies work today is that they're not money. When you have something that fluctuates in value, it can't be money. If you got paid in bitcoins as a worker, that would be great, but your employer would go out of business. Uh, if you had a house with a mortgage of uh, $350,000 in bitcoin four or five years ago, you'd owe the bank today $49 million. So it's not going to work. The promise of these cryptocurrencies, until they make it stable, they won't be money, but they are developing the technology that will radically simplify the whole payment system and it'll be a great boon for uh, the consumer. So it's the tech side rather than the money side. 
We are here at the Authority Summit. It's authority-summit.com. We're with Steve Forbes. This is Forbes Books and Forbes Books Radio. This is Forbes Books at Bedtime. I want to ask you about this notion of authority because many people are thinking, oh, what a bold new idea, and yet I tend to think that the idea of authority to a Forbes has been around for about 100 years. Well, authority comes from uh, people believing you're offering something that is good for them or you know what you're talking about. So uh, that's why we're working on the book side. It's a way of establishing your authority, that you have a expertise in a certain area and are worth paying attention to. On that note, I want to say it's been a pleasure uh, doing a Forbes book. My book, Deal With Your Own Destiny, Steve comes out in March, so thank you so much for that. The connection just to your name has been tremendous, and bringing it back to when I was a kid, uh, again, what a thrill. Well, thank you, Kate, and I look forward to the introduction formally in March of your great new book. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. you. It's all about football. Yep, training camp's opening up, and who's being signed, who hasn't been signed yet, but should be signed in the near future, just some of the questions being talked about. I talked about value of clubs. The Forbes list comes out. We're going to go through that, the top five anyway. We'll see if... If you understand or know how valuable those teams are. I know this guy, he knows everything about football. He knows the most valuable team, according to Forbes, because it's the obvious team, right, Chris Landry? It's the Dallas Cowboys. Well, the most valuable is financial, and it's based upon a number of things. It's based mainly upon the infrastructure, uh, the stadium situation, and the Cowboys have obviously a relatively new stadium uh, that's part of it as well as a, a new practice facility that's both worth a lot of money. Um, it, it's, it doesn't mean that they're the most popular. It just yeah. means that they're the most financially, um, you know, uh, you know solve, and, so, and, and let me just say not even solvent because if you look at it, Jerry has a lot of debt service on his property. But if you were to buy that, it would cost the most because they have the most. It's kind of like... Um, you know, when, when you had some of, some of these, what I would call bargains, like when the Redskins, uh, before they, they, when they was in ORFK Stadium, the Redskins are a great brand, and, but, you know, they, their stadium was a dump, then they built the, the new stadium, and uh, now thinking about uh, getting a new one. But it's the stadium situation, whether it's leased, whether it's owned, uh, all of that is a tremendous amount to do with the value of the team. Yeah, and it's uh, $4.8 billion, so it's up 14% from last time around, most valuable sports franchise in the world for the third consecutive year. So here's the question, Chris Landry, chrislandry.com. Go there, sign up. You're crazy if you don't. Anything and everything you ever wanted to know about football, Chris knows his stuff. Of course he does. He was a scout. We could go through his entire bio, but then we couldn't get to the good stuff that we're talking about besides his bio. And Chris, you know, speaking of the Dallas Cowboys, is there pressure on Jason Garrett? If they have another lousy season, is he done? Well, only Jared can answer that because I think that in terms of his, his production as a coach, it hasn't been all that successful. But he's got the job because Jerry wants him to have the job because he's a guy that Jerry can control. Jerry has always been happiest when he has a guy like a Dave Campo or a, or a Jason Garrett as a coach where Jerry can be the center of attention. He does not like it when a Jimmy Johnson or a Bill Parcells is a head coach 
even though they're better teams, because Jerry's about Jerry. I mean, Jerry's about making money, but Jerry's about his ego. So uh, I think in most cases, if you would look at it, um, the production level would have indicated that Jason probably would have been, been gone by now. Uh, you can make the case that, uh, there, that, quite frankly, any coach that's not a strong-willed coach is going to have a hard time coaching that team because Jerry meddles and interferes in terms of making decisions. Um, he listens, but yet uh, the fact that players don't respect the head coach uh, and look to the owner more, that is to the detriment of the team. But, again, that's the way Jerry wants it because just like Al Davis, his idol, it's it's all about him. Yeah. There's so many questions and so many directions we could could go in uh, in this conversation about training camps opening up. But to you, what are the top three stories that you think are really interesting right now? Wow. You know, to me, it's all over the place. Um, how good can Jimmy Garoppolo be this year? Um, you know, can the Rams put it all together now being the hunted instead of the hunter? Um, who's going to emerge in the NFC South? Can the Bears get an offense turned around with a new offensive um, quarterback guru and a second year of a, a quarterback? Um, um, you know, can the you know the changes of the quarterbacks? Are the Vikings going to be yeah. better with their new quarterback? Yeah. Or the Redskins going to be better with their new quarterback? Uh, I mean, we can go on and on. Um, you know, the West of the AFC may be a surprise. Is there a surprise team? Could the Chargers win that? Or is it Kansas City? Uh, how, you know, how close is Denver? How far away is Denver? The AFC South, that's another tough division. I think the South of both are really good. Can Jacksonville get good enough quarterback play? If they can, they're top challengers in the AFC to New England. Uh, the North, Pittsburgh, uh, how much of a challenge can they be? Can anybody, you know put a dent in the Patriots. I think not. I mean, those are just some, some general thoughts. You know, is Brady going to slow down at all? Is he going to continue to be uh, one of the elite players in the league like he was last year? Um, uh, just on and on, I think that there's, to me, not the one or two things, but uh, just around the league, a lot of interesting storylines. Yeah, I think that's what I said about training camp. Every single team has some intrigue to it as to where they could finish, uh, plugging in rookies, uh, who could end up starting. I mean, there's a good question. Baker Mayfield, will he end up being the Browns' go-to guy a couple games into this, or were Tyrod Taylor sore? Well, it depends on how well Tyrod Taylor, Taylor plays. Um, and, and is Baker ready? Um uh, same thing for Josh Rosen in, in Arizona. Um, same thing in New York with the Jets and Sam Darnold. I mean, uh, we, we've got a number of those cases, as we always do with the young quarterback. So that's definitely another storyline of those teams is when are those guys are going to be ready, when are those teams are going to turn to them, and, and it's going to be a di- directly correlated to how well the veteran starts off. I think that what you want to do in that situation is you want to try to stabilize the team to the point where you're not putting the young quarterback in for an answer. If you're turning to a young quarterback to spark you, then then you got a problem. Your team's not very good. And what you want to be able to do is put your young quarterback in when he's best prepared to succeed. And, you know, oftentimes they have to put him in because the guy that they have is just not moving the offense. And so um, I, I think that's always interesting to see when those young guys are going to get in. 
Yeah, a lot of people are emailing me about the uh, Chris, and we're speaking with Chris Landry, of course, phenomenal. We love having him here on NBC. So many guys talk to him up and down the network. Go to uh, Landry.com, ChrisLandry.com, and you'll get the best stuff ever when it comes to college and the pros uh, football-wise. There's a lot of questions now, again, about the anthem. What happened just a few days ago with the NFL and the policy? Well, first of all, it's one of the more pardon me, but my, one of the more asinine things I've ever seen, because how this league has handled it is beyond stupid. Um, and I'm not saying there's stupid people running it, but sometimes there are stupid decisions that are made. This is a stupid decision. Going back, just really simple, do, do it like you do in college. Everybody stays in the locker room. That's what happens in college. They're all in the locker room except for the, the, uh, the captains that come off of the coin toss. Everybody's in the locker room for the national anthem. Yep. <laughs> yeah, just problem. do that. Now, yeah. now you got, you know, to think that the story is going to go away because you can, you can come out for the national or you can stay. You're going to give them the choice, really? And then you're going to have everybody saying, well, Team so-and-so had 18 guys, <laughs> uh, you know, stay in the locker room. Well, I mean, all you're doing is you're, instead of trying to make what was – to me, an annoying uh, topic week in and week out, and they're just fanning the flames on it and making it go further and further. Of course you're going to have issues. I mean, why would it go the way? In the eyes of, of the people involved, it's still going to be an issue. you got owners that don't want that, um, and, and it's maybe partly their beliefs, but mainly due to people that, um, you know, that, that affects their bottom line. People saying, look, it's this is going to happen. We're not buying suites. We're not buying tickets. We're not advertising. Well, that affects the owner's bottom line. Then you got players saying, you know, we're trying to make a statement or a stand, so we're going to do what we want to do. Well, just don't give them the option of it. You're in the locker room when the national anthem takes place, and no one knows if you're kneeling, sitting, you know, dancing. You know what I mean? To me, that was a simple solution that they dropped the ball on uh, yes. again. And, 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 you know, and I'm not one of these people that a lot of people think that the league office makes dumb decisions all the time. That's not true. They, they really do a good job for the most part. This is one that they've really messed up, and I think they've just, you know, you've got two polarizing sides. Uh, you know, Kate, this is not going away. Yeah. This is going to be, you know, you got, you know, the highest office in this country is just, you know, is just focused in on it, and everybody's focused against that, and that's going to be the topic uh, du jour uh, every day in this league and, and, yep. and, uh, until they make it go away, and, and what they've done is made sure that it doesn't go away. Yep, yep, absolutely. Hey, before we let you fly, did you know Tony Sperano at all, the, the offensive line coach? I oh, did. nice I did guy. I know Tony, and, um, you know, uh, just awful, um, way too young, Uh it's close to home at um, in my same age bracket with a heart condition. It uh, it, it certainly scares me. I've known Tony, and uh, I don't know what happened. I've reached out. I understand that he was not feeling well late last week, and I, I just don't know what happened. You know, very often with the heart situations, you get no warning. I've had too many people that I know that everything's fine, and you know, it just happens. This, it seemed like there was some sort of warning, and it just is um, heartbreaking uh, that that uh, that that apparently they didn't catch whatever the issue was that led to this. So I just uh, awful for 
he and his family way too young at 56 to be losing a great guy, really good coach. Uh, I'm sure you were know yes, him, you know, in Dallas. And yeah. Really good job in Miami. Just really good coach down to earth. And like a lot of those offensive line coaches that are just salt of the earth people that uh, will sit there and shoot you straight. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Chris Landry, always fun to be on with you. Hey, tell us about your website again. LandryFootball.com, uh, check it out, uh, you know, uh, from a scouting and coaching perspective on the college and NFL game. It's like having your own personnel department um, uh, for less than a magazine subscription. So check it out, LandryFootball.com. Follow me on Twitter at LandryFootball. And the, with training camps opening up, uh, the college season around the corner, we've got all the previews up, all the grades, everything going on. So uh, check us out. You know, We know you'll love it. All right, I love it. Uh, it is really great. Like you said, across the board, talk about New York Giants, talk about uh, all that kind of stuff in your podcast, etc. with college and the pros. Thanks, Chris. Thanks a bunch. Thanks, thanks for having me. Take care. Kate Delaney, NBC Sports Radio. Uh, thrilled to be joined by Kike Hernandez. He's one of the outfielders for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Man, I can remember last year watching him rip the cover off the ball uh, getting that National League pennant and then going on to the World Series. And this year, 13 homers, got a nice batting average. It's been fun to watch you, Kike. Thanks so much for coming on. Oh, thanks. Thank you guys for having me. So in this last series earlier in the week, you uh, you ripped the cover off the ball like I said you were doing last year. You did that again against the Cubs. And it seems to me like you guys, if you already – aren't aware of it have really developed a rivalry with Chicago. Do you feel that way? Uh I think rivalry is a big word. Um you know uh, there is a lot of history between the Cubs and, and us just because we have uh we played the NLCS back to back years against them, but uh you know as far as rivals I think uh I think the Giants and the Diamondbacks are still up there before before the Cubbies just because we play the the Diamondbacks and the Giants six times a year, and we only play the Cubbies twice. And then if we have to play them again in the playoffs, but uh, you know, it definitely, it definitely is really fun playing against them. And uh, you know, it's it's one of the the teams that we need to beat if we want to be uh if we want to get to where we want to be, which is the World Series again. And you know, it's it's always like I said, it's always fun playing them, and you know, they 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 bring the best in us. Yeah, one thing you can tell for sure, no matter. Uh, what team you're playing, you can see it by the expressions, I think, on your teammates' faces. It really seems like there's a lot of chemistry going on with the Dodgers. Have you felt that for the, the couple of years you've been there? Yeah, yeah. Um, throughout the years, uh, we've obviously developed a great great winning culture in the, in the clubhouse. And, you know, obviously going deep into the playoffs every year, we, we start caring a lot for each other a lot more. And, uh, you know, right now we started off the year really, really bad. And, uh, if it wasn't for that team chemistry, if it wasn't for uh, how, how together we are, we we would have we wouldn't have been able to to recover from that. And right now we uh, we're playing really good baseball. And you know what they say, it's not about it's not about how you start, it's how you finish. And you know we definitely didn't get off to the, to the hot to, to the right of starts, but uh, you know we picked it up. And hopefully, with, now that guys are coming back from from the DL, we can uh, we can go back on first place and. You know, if we uh, be there till till we can win another division and get to the playoffs. Yeah, and talk about guys coming off the DL. It was nice to see Clayton Kershaw uh, earlier this week. He looked really good. I think at one point he was clocked at ninety three. Pretty pretty neat to see that, huh? 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, obviously, it's uh, there's no need to say that Kirsch is, is still the best pitcher in baseball. And, you know, when he's healthy, when he's on, it's uh, he's, he's nearly unhittable. And, you know, if uh, if we want to make a run, we, we definitely need uh, Clayton back and healthy. And, you know, uh, yesterday was special. You know, you, you could tell that he's on. You can tell he's healthy again. And, you know, it's, it's really exciting times. You know, we're playing really good baseball and we're getting Kirsch back. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're the Dodgers again. Yeah. I, I mentioned at the top, you know, I, I uh, tagged you with outfielder, but of course you play a lot of different spots. Growing up, was there one particular spot you liked to play? Was it anywhere in the outfield? What do you like the best? No, I mean, I grew up, I grew up a shortstop. I, uh, I played shortstop my entire life until, until I got drafted, and they, they moved me to second base because the first rounder, the, the kid got the that got drafted in the first round the year that I got drafted was a shortstop. So, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they thought that we could be the, the double play combination of the future. So they decided me to move me to second. And, um, I pretty much played second base in the minor league. So I got to triple a cause, uh, I was hitting really well. And we had a guy at second base named Jose Altuve. That's kind of good. So, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they asked me if, if I was okay with moving around and, and I said, of course, whatever gets me to the big leagues. And, uh, you know, I started playing AAA, a different position every day, and all the way till I got to the big leagues, and here we are now, five years later, still still doing the same thing. And uh, you know, whatever helps me get in the lineup, whatever helps me stay in the big leagues, that's that's what I'm going to do. And you know, I I have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, we're speaking with uh, Dodger Kike Hernandez, and Kike, we're going to get to the Boys and Girls Club and how special that is for you in in just a second. But I wanted to ask you about. Dave Roberts, your manager, and what it's been like um, with him at the helm. And you met, we talked about the chemistry earlier, of course, and I think he has a lot to do with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dave is, uh, is one of the uh, – well, I'm not going to say one of the – he is the most positive person I've ever been around, you know. Uh, he's got a lot of energy, a lot of fun to play for, and, you know, I think everybody in the clubhouse feeds off his energy, you know, if, uh, if a manager is, uh, has a, that much energy, it doesn't, there's no reason why we, we, we can't have that same amount of energy. And, you know, uh, I think he, he's the right guy for the, for that job. And, you know, he keeps it, he keeps it in our toes for sure. Yeah. You, you mentioned, you know, we, t- you talked about this, the slow start for the Dodgers, but you say, you know, it's not how you start. It's how you finish definitely. And there's a lot of cliches around baseball. We know it's a marathon and it's not a sprint. When you have, uh, all of these road games and then you're home and then you're bopping around in different areas. What do you do? What, what would the fans not know about you that would be interesting that you like to do to kind of fill the in-between time? Are you a video guy or what do you do? Uh, you know, uh, there's not a lot of days off. So uh, <laughs> it's just it's just, when it's the season, it's pure baseball for us. And, uh, I guess if I get a day off, you'll probably find me at the movie theater. But uh, on a, on a regular day basis, I like to to keep my routine. Um, I like to get to the field really early. Uh, you know, get a workout in, uh, get my get, get my work done in the batting cage, and uh, after that, depending on how much time I got, that's how much time I, I put into uh, into video scouting their pictures and stuff. And uh, after that, it's it's batting practice and. You know, just after that, get ready for the game. 
Yeah, I like that you put the video into scouting the pitchers. That's good. So I mentioned Carnival Cruise Line and the Boys and Girls Club and, of course, the partnership that they have with the Dr. Seuss Enterprises, and you're uh, involved in this, the local summer camp with the kids, and you're going to read to the kids. What does that mean to you? Oh, it's 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 great. Uh, I'm really I'm really really excited to be here. Uh, you know, getting an opportunity to work with Dr. Seuss and, and Carnival Cruise uh, Cruise Line. Uh, you know, it's it's huge. I feel like it's a it's a great opportunity for me. Whoever knows me uh, knows that, uh, or 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 about me knows that I, I I love to have some fun, and and this is what the this uh, the Carnival Cruise Line is about having fun and. You know, for me to to get on this ship, uh, only the second time I've ever been on a cruise. It's uh, it's pretty cool, and you know, I just just ready for the kids to get here, and so I can I can get get to some reading. I like that green green eggs and ham. I'm sure you've read that, and the cat in the hat. Which one do you like the best, the cat in the hat? Oh, the cat in the hat. Yeah, I think <laughs> uh, you know that's a classic. I think every little kid has has seen that movie, and. Uh, and read the books as well. So, uh, you know, I got to give it to the cat in the hat. All right. I love it. Kike Hernandez, thanks so much for spending time with us. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. All right. Coming up, we're going to wrap up the show. Thanks to Kike Hernandez. As we said, cat in the hat. And uh, I remember the cat in the hat. seems like I have that book somewhere stored up. It's pretty worn. I got to go back and find the cat in the hat. Always in the parade is the thing that I look for. In every parade, there's a cat in the hat. Next time around, some of the BDDs in sports and business. And are nachos relevant anymore? Be a part of our unofficial poll. Click on contact at invadethemancave.com and weigh in by leaving a comment on the cheesy debate. I'm Kate Delaney with Invade the Man Cave.